And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start. So, uh, about welcome. This is another tomorrow. issue or episode of Here You Are, Wassa. Um, and I am here with B, and I know B through Twitter. And we're going to have another conversation about being writers because B is a writer. So, hey, I thanks am. for doing this. Of course. I love talking about writing. So you and I were just talking before we got started that we come from the same high school. We do. So I graduated from D.C. Everest in 1989. And I graduated in 2019. That's just, that's 30 years later. Oh my God. Yeah, we have similar origins and similar past that we followed. Isn't that interesting? So um, when I was there, you you were talking about... uh, Mr. Cypress. Yeah, and, the current uh, creative writing teacher. And so when I was at DC Everest, what we had was in 10th grade, everyone had to take a class called Writing Workshop. Okay. And then if you wanted to, you could take Writing Workshop 2 the, you know, okay. the next year. And then uh, like a half a dozen people took, uh, I think the class was called News Media which is where the the weekly newspaper was produced. Oh my goodness. I'm just, as you're saying these kinds of things, I'm thinking of what it is now and right. how different it is, yet how similar in content. Yeah. Like we have a newspaper now. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was called now, but, um, and we, um, we also have... What was then your class is now creative writing one and two. Okay. Um, I just, I was amazed by that. When yeah. We were talking, I just imagined throughout time, these changes that have been made in this school and yet how the intentions are so similar. Right. And I, and I think, you know, we, we were both probably pretty well touched by our English teachers, I imagine. A hundred percent. Yes. And so for me, the, my writing teacher's name or the, for my writing workshop teacher's name was, what is that? Marsha Hoare. And, uh, she was my, yeah, she was my English teacher. And we used to, like, I still have, we had an assignment to keep a journal yeah. and, uh, and I still have mine and there are like notes in it from her cause you had to turn it in and they, she would read it yeah. and stuff. And it was, yeah, it was, it was cool. And it's also, you know, if, if somebody wrote like that to, to like my niece or something, I'd be like, hold on buddy, you're not, that's not cool. Um, yeah, but then I went to UW Milwaukee and I became a writer. And, uh, okay. and I got a bachelor's of fine arts in creative writing with a focus on American poetry. I like that. I like that. Cause I wanted to be a poet and, yes. uh, and it's still like, it's still the thing that, uh, it's the writing that I do that sort of compels me most, but 
I've already talked about myself a bunch on this podcast. So I think, no, I think it's good. I think it's a really, I think what I'm really want to know about is who are you? And uh, am I? yeah, so you're, you know, you're 30 years younger than me. And so that's yep. a little bit weird. Cause I don't know anybody. Well, I don't, I probably do, but um, so the, the question I have is, is always, you know, how, how did you decide to sort of self-identify as a writer? I, I have a fun little story well, um, that I thought up when trying to decide, ask the question why I started writing. I first had to look at when I started writing, and I thought that was very significant. So I started writing as a child before I could even spell anything correctly. Um, and this was back when everything was handwritten even. So I would handwrite hundreds of pages of books, just imaginatory books, mostly medieval, actually. And I don't write medieval anymore, but it was kind of a style that I had. And then as I got older, I went away from fantasy and technology became a thing. So we stopped handwriting everything. And I think that's a problem in the end, because like you said, you had a journal that your teacher responded to. Well, we had Google Drive, and when you graduate from my high school, they uh, they delete your account, so you lose all of your writing. I thought that was something that was interesting, but so I started writing when I was a child. Um, it was kind of an escape for me from the challenges that I faced as a kid, um, but I continue to write because it helps me to better understand, cope with, and appreciate life. Um, because writing is all about life, life experiences, um, just everything. So, yeah, that, that's what I have so far. Yeah. See, um, for me, I wanted to be, uh, Harriet from Harriet the Spy. Ah, uh, I've heard of that book. Yeah. You've heard of. Oh, I've God. been compared to that book without knowing what it is. Yeah, so it's it's a story of a girl, a young girl, you know, ten or eleven or something, and she lives in New York City, and she has a notebook, and she thinks that she's a spy, so she writes okay. down her observations all day long. And I, for whatever reason, that book really just when I was in sixth grade, that book just sort of leapt off the page, and when I was. Uh, I started my journal the last day of sixth grade and I've written in it uh, every day for 30 minutes a day oh, wow. since then. So yeah, I, uh, that dedication amazes me. Yeah. And, and like you, the, the journal is, is a couple of different things. It's a, it's a good place to sort of, you know, practice or just kind of, you know, do things that are in secret essentially. But yeah. the other thing is, um, my writing has always been for, for everything, uh, a way to sort of stack and organize just sort of the experience of being a human being. Oh yeah. I totally get that. You know, cause, cause the world can be a, a it's a, Hey, it's a confusing and crappy place sometimes. And so, you know, the ability to have some place where you have this kind of distance and time to, to, to sort of order that is, is super helpful for me. And I, and I learned that, like I said, 
And, and I think I started really kind of having a grasp of it as something bigger than a diary, it, like oh, around yeah. 10th grade. I would say that timing, I probably hit that realization around ninth grade for, for different reasons. Um, I spent from ninth grade on a lot of time alone. So I spent a lot of time, you know, in thought and processing the world around me. And that's when I started specifically writing poetry instead of full like novels, because I found that it was easier to look at life in an abstract way than, a, than in a straightforward way. And in explaining through poetry what I was going through, I didn't have to directly say what I was going through. So I, I felt that was what it made, it made that easier for me. Now, I used to journal, I think I journaled for four years straight, but I had an incident where somebody read all of my journals for those four years. And I've been scared to go back to that because like you said, our journals are like secrets. And one of the statements on the back of my book is that my writing my writing is secrets, and when I publish them, they're secrets that I no longer want to keep. Um, so I struggled with that for a while. It frustrated some of my teachers because I don't plan my writing either. They give me a prompt, and suddenly I just, I know what I want to write about. I write the draft first, and then I revise it. Um, I don't think ahead. I'm an impulsive, emotional person, and you can see that in my writing. Um, but I'm also, uh, I lost the word for it, methodological. Okay. I have methods. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, I'm putting in filler words and stuff. I, <laughs> so, I, I wonder... Um, it just a little bit of you, you talked about your book. So the thing is, yep. let's talk a little bit about you so that, you know, okay. so tell, tell everybody and, and me a little bit about yourself. Well, currently I am a student at UW Stevens point. Uh, as of this past year, um, I'm technically a major in psychology, but if you ask me what I'm going to do with my psychology degree degree, uh, I have no idea. Um, but I love psychology because I love the concept of understanding people. I'm a people person. I love to listen and I experience a lot of empathy with people. Um, I, I don't get often asked to tell people about myself in ways that are just who I am now and not what I've experienced. So I'm actually having a difficult time with this because I couldn't think of what are the fundamentals of who I am just from a basic standpoint and not every experience that I've had that builds me up to this point. Um, so I felt, I felt, found that interesting when I was trying to prepare for this. I'm like, what do I say? What, what would people want to know about me? Um, yeah. So, yeah. so what is something that you would want to know about me? Sure. sure. So, um, uh, like I said, you and I know each other on Twitter. Yeah. And so, uh, so occasionally you post pictures on Twitter of yourself. Yep. And so one of the things that I've always wondered is how tall are you? How 
that's how I am. Okay, this is funny because I recently went on a date with someone that I had I've had on my online classes. A teacher introduced us. It was a very interesting fiasco. And he thought I was like majorly tall because of my my broad shoulders, right? I'm okay. 4'11". <laughs> okay. Yep. I've got strong energy for a very small person. Um, yeah, see, for me, I, I thought, I, I just sort of thought you were short, and, and, but yep. for a, a completely different reason. So the pictures that you've posted with your glasses on. Oh, your, really? Your glasses seem enormous. <laughs> And the thing, all I thought was, okay, she's got, those are normal glasses on a very small head. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. There you go. So. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I also want to, before we get too in deep, I actually use they, them pronouns. Yes. Um, yes. Which is kind of ironic because I know my book is called The Girl I Am, but books age as I do, and I no longer identify as she, her. So I just wanted to put that out there as we continue to have this conversation because it's very important. And sometimes I don't tell people because I am afraid of how they respond, you know? Right. Like, you're such a feminine person, you know? Um, I I feel like I need to keep up this image uh, for society, which is something I don't do in my writing. It's another reason I write because I don't have to uphold these images. I don't even have to listen to grammar rules because I'm a poet. I make my own grammar rules. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's absolutely free. Yeah. When, uh, when I discovered, uh, specifically, you know, Walt Whitman and sort of Allen Ginsberg and E.E. Cummings and those guys, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I can, you know, just throw it all out the window. But then I was also really lucky to have teachers and mentors who were like, yeah, the only reason that E.E. Cummings was able to do that was because he was able to write haikus and all of, you know, sestinas Mm -hmm. and all of the other stuff with great ease. And so it's always been this idea of, for me, the, the reason that you can break form is because you can do form. That is an interesting statement. And I actually agree with you. I mean, I like to say I'm bad at grammar, but I was recently told by a teacher that I had that they have read through my work and I'm actually good at grammar. I just struggle with confidence as a writer sometimes. And I think it's because I'm told that I'm a great writer, but then I look beyond myself at the people who are already established in this world, established writers, established authors, and I find myself comparing them to myself, even though I'm just a 20-year-old student who uh, wrote a book when they were 19. Uh, Like, I'm not even halfway through my life yet, hopefully. Um, But I struggle with that, that image and that confidence, even though... My work and my beliefs come off as confident. Um, I think all writers at some point in time have to struggle a bit with, with, while questioning, you know, 
am I am I a good writer? Because I think I think that's important to acknowledge the fact that you are a good writer. There's a reason you love what you're doing. There's a reason you're doing what you love. Um, so I just I found that interesting, and I, I wanted to bring it up. So how do you um, how do you think you know when you're a good writer? How do I think I know when I'm a good writer? I don't want to say it's just when people tell me so, but I think that one of the most important things to me that helps me realize that my writing is good is how it sounds. I, I love spoken word anything. And when I'm able to read something that just flows nicely and flows well and just sounds strong, I feel at that moment, I feel like a good writer. And I did this. The moment that I truly felt like a good writer was the first time I wrote a memoir, a spoken word piece, and I read it for competitions. And, you know, I got awards in high school and whatnot. And I think that's the moment that I realized I was a good writer, not because everyone tells me so, but because in reading it aloud, I can feel it within myself that this sounds great. Uh, so I think, I think that's what helped me realize I'm a good writer. Mind you, people telling you that you're good, it helps. But you, you always question what people say, you know, we never fully trust those around us. Um, and that's just because we are skeptical. You have to be skeptical as human beings. Uh, so that, that's just how I knew that I was a good writer is when I could finally read something to people that to me sounded good, sounded strong, had good structure. It was graded multiple times before I even read it. Um, so that that would be my response is if it sounds good to you. That, okay, yeah. That's so I, I, it's, it's super cool because I'm, I'm thinking of myself in, in the way you're describing it as, as a college student. And I'm, and I'm remembering how... I was a horrible, I was a horrible young man. And uh, really, yeah. It, and it was, um, because I, I was, I was really single minded in what I was doing. And I had the arrogance to think I was right. I see. And, uh, and so, and I, and I had done a lot of work and I had a lot of mentors really tried to to sort of uh what amounts to reeling me in as a young man like in my uh, early 20s um because i was it was i i was terrible i you know um like i i when i was in college we had a we had a creative or we had a poetry class a poetry workshop class and at one point oh god this is terrible um, at one point, uh, the teacher said, write a dramatic monologue from the point of view of somebody who isn't you. Oh, wow. Right. And so, you know, and I'm like, okay, so let's just find something terrible. And, uh, and I, and I, oh God. And I wrote, uh, a dramatic monologue from the point of view of a rapist. 
Oh boy. Right. Oh boy. Now it's important to remember I was in college. And of course, 20s. yes. And so I read it to the workshop class and I thought, and I, I still have it on paper and I still think it's a fine dramatic monologue. And, uh, after class, we were walking, you know, we are all leaving the building a, a fellow in the class stopped and just beat the crap out of me. Oh, really? Oh like, my goodness. Okay. All right. And it wasn't, it wasn't the last time I'd gotten into a, a fist fight because of, of something I'd written and read. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't often, but, uh, yeah, I, I was a, I was a child of punk rock and in the first generation of skateboarding. And so I, I knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to confront myself and early on, I wanted to confront the, the world. And then later on, I wanted to confront myself and uh and i wanted to do that through my writing and then later in college when when my ex was in graduate school um i was i spent jesus like two years writing on a on a single idea that that was a a a mental image i had and what i yeah i i really and even today, I'm I'm still obsessed with this idea of how how things and ideas and physical things how they break. And so at some point, at some point in college, I I was holding a piece of plastic at some point, and it was the plastic was relatively warm, and I decided I was going to break it as you know, but I didn't I don't know why or anything like that, and as I bent the plastic the it didn't snap it just slowly folded and at the point of folding like the inside of the plastic was revealed interesting and so i at the time i'm sure i was in uh a geology class and i and i thought and i described it a little bit like it looked like tectonic plates on top of okay yep moving plastic and i'm like yeah that's what i want to i want to write about that moment and i'm also finding, finding inspiration in the world that you're living in yeah. that's really interesting and i and i'm and i i'm still super uh inspired by music and there was a, at the time again this so i'm sure this is classic rock now but <laughs> at the time jane's addiction was right at the height of their powers and there was a song that I that had a moment in it and all of my poetry I was trying to recreate that moment. And so there like for two years, uh, my poetry was almost entirely abstracted to the point where it it meant and looked like nothing. It was just words and it was just sort of rhythm in my head and on the page. And, How did you uh, feel about it? I friggin' loved it, to be fair. There you go. Yeah. I, I was, was waiting for that. Right. And so the thing is, it like I I I always joke that I was writing by the pound. Like I have just pounds and pounds of legal pads because Ah, okay. I didn't get 
you know, I had a computer when I went to school my freshman year. But when I went to, to college, the first two years, at least two years, we were still handing in handwritten papers. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. So I don't. Um, but uh, just because my penmanship is terrible. And uh, yeah, and my so, years of handwriting uh, yep. books gives gives me pretty good penmanship. Yeah. Oh, but I am left handed. So, so everything I. I write. So like all my pages are turned, you know, in yep. the in the horizontal. Yep. Uh, way where that when you're taking a test it's kind of a problem yeah do you have um, but do yeah you, so, do you do the curl thing with your hand yes yes i yep. do okay me too um yeah. and i also tilt my head when i do it okay as well i'm, I'm writing and i'm looking at it and my head kind of tilts when i was a kid um because i have a neurological disability cerebral palsy uh they were concerned that i had a brain damage because I tilted my head when I would write or anything, but it was just the way that I, I looked at the page and I worked with, you know, the paper. Sure. So I find that very interesting. Yeah. I, and the other thing that I really liked was, uh, early on, uh, with, with the kind of curled hand, um, you know, we would, we get ink on our hands. Oh yeah. And so when I was a kid, there was, there was really only ballpoint pens mm -hmm. and then fountain pens. And Oh boy. Yeah. I'm not, that's just ridiculous. Um, and, but, uh, I discovered this pen in high school and, uh, and it had some sort of strange tip on it. And that was the pen I wrote in my journal with, probably until i was 30 you know oh wow yeah yeah and then in college at one point my ex jackie um fountain pens came down in price to to the point where they were something you could just buy um and she was she was writing with a fountain pen like taking notes in class oh, really? and stuff and she was in the sciences so it wasn't like you know she was just sitting around writing iambic pentameter she was you know writing out the bones of the wrist and things like that and so but she really liked and yeah the couple of times i wrote with you know i remember picking up her fountain pen and writing stuff with it and just thinking yeah this isn't for me i just no. you know because it's it was yeah it was just sort of too i don't know what it was but now i use almost entirely um this uniball micro pen that i've fallen in love with for forever I think i've used those too yeah just the micro pens are just so nice yeah just... and then my friend pat um he makes pens oh he's, really he's a, That's yeah cool. he's a wood turner and uh so he makes the the pen and then you you know you put put like a parker refill in there and so it's it's great that is really cool. Yeah. See, and something about this current day and age that I've kind of learned as I've developed as a writer is we're not very stable in our methods anymore. 
like you have a computer and you have an iPad and you have a notebook and you have pens and pencils and markers and so many mediums to work with, I lose work because I'm using all of these methods, like putting them on my phone and my computer and on paper. Whereas it, I feel like it used to be so much simpler to just write things down. And that's what I mean by missing handwriting, you know, homework and papers. It, it felt so much simpler. And the thing about using technology that I despise the most, and I really wanted to talk about today, is the fact that unlike paper, you can't just delete an entire page or an entire book with one button. I've done this online before. I was mad. I thought I wasn't good enough. I thought my work was terrible and I deleted over a year's worth of work. Whereas with a notebook, it's more intimate. It's way harder to do that unless you literally throw the notebook in the trash, but the notebook's still there. Words disappear on the internet. So oh. that was just something interesting I wanted to bring up. Oh my. I've also used typewriter before. Mind you, I love typewriters. I learned that. My uh, creative writing teacher had two typewriters by the end of my senior year. And when I would get writer's block, I would switch mediums. That's why I also use multiple mediums, because I get tired of staring at a screen. I get tired of writing things down. So I used a typewriter before. It's really fun. <laughs> it is. It is really fun. I mean, then again, it wasn't anything major that I was writing that, like, it had to be perfect. I was writing poetry on a typewriter. Uh, I could position it any way that I wanted. I could use spelling errors as art. Um, so that's different than what it used to be. But I I thought I'd share that, the, the changing of mediums and technology how it influences writers it's yeah I, I i think that's interesting because one of the things that i'm obviously super proud of is my relationship with journaling specifically yeah and and so i i work like i encourage my friends to who are writers to keep journals specific and it's yes. and the way I do it is, is, is super specific. And the, and the reasoning behind it is, is pretty well considered. And so um, I'm a student of a, of a book called writing down the bones by okay. Rebecca Goldberg. Oh, it's terrible. I don't, that might not be her name, um, but the book is called writing down the bones and, and she documents sort of her process and how, how she writes. And, and one of the things that kind of came out of, out of the book and out of, you know, studying and stuff like that is that it's, it's a, it's practice like, like meditation. Oh, yeah. And so the reason that the journal is specific isn't for what you write. It's for the act of, of physical writing. And, yes. and, and so like, I just, my friend Keith, who did this podcast with me as well, um, he, I think he's probably at least a hundred days into his journaling career. 
And so what oh, wow. Keith and I talked about is um, that it doesn't it doesn't matter. You have to get past your sort of self-consciousness over time and just focus on moving the pen across the paper. That 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 simple act of moving the pen across the paper, of documenting whatever it is that you choose to document in as free a way as possible will have uh, benefits at some point that it'll free up the process and the muscles and whatever sort of spirit you have to sort of let you be a freer writer. And the I, other, I can definitely see that. And the other part that, you know, you were talking about sort of screens and Google drive and all of that. And the thing that I, I find most troubling about that is, you know, when you, when you pat, when, you know, we're writers. So sometime we're going to be morbid human beings. And so when you die, oh, yeah. um, have, having just a digital footprint isn't, in my opinion, isn't going to be permanent. Whereas no. when I die, I mean, it's clear that it's not permanent yeah. um, from my statement. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but something that my high school does is, the instant you graduate, they deactivate yeah. your Google yeah. account. So anything anyone ever wrote in their Google Drive throughout the four years that they were in high school, it's all gone. Yeah. So you're right in the sense that it's not permanent. And I think that that is the key point. Whereas writing is supposed to last through time tell time you know yeah be the foundation yeah. of what time was like um which can only truly be achieved through as you said journaling i mean you don't see people these days going back in digital archives yet i don't even know how that's going to look looking for some author's, author's digital work. Right. I mean, right. what you'll run into is a bunch of privacy issues because of our nation's difficulty of deciding what's private and what's not. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's just an interesting thought that I have. And I totally agree with your opinion on journaling. I quite, I miss it. My problem is, is, uh, Having a mental illness, um, multiple of them, the events that led me to stop journaling, I can't overcome sure. yet. I've tried in many ways, but I have a very fast-spoken mind, and so it's hard to catch things anymore, which is why I, uh, I pause a lot, or my conversations will switch, or I talk really fast. But I, I understand how you feel about it. Yeah. So then, um, then let me just encourage you to to try, because the, the the thing is, um, it's it's a it's a record of you, and it's not yes. a rec and it's not a record of you the way Twitter is a record of you. No. It's a record of like I mean, my Twitter feed is pretty unfiltered, but. It's a it's a record Mine of you um, that is is sort of of yours and now and and it's 
it it places us in a in a larger sort of time frame and a larger sort of spectrum with you know like i in college i i made a trip to new york city because i wanted to see J- the scroll that jack kerouac wrote on the road on as a as a older writer i went to i went back to new york city and i wanted to spend time with allen ginsberg's letters because they these collections are are kept you know writers collections yeah. are a thing and and it's you know, seeing seeing Allen Ginsberg's, you know, collected works and collected sort of papers, you get a sense of him as a writer that is, you know, different than I, you know, I don't even know what to compare it to somebody's Tumblr page in a modern in the modern world. But, you know, like I you were talking about, you know, Google Drive being deleted. I still have every essay test that i wrote in high school for novels class that's just unbelievable yeah those cool blue notebooks or blue pamphlets that we would fill up with with the answers to the questions about ethan frome or the great gatsby or (laughs) whatever we were reading i hated ethan frome so much um (laughs) but uh yeah it and so i like i keep that i i've over the years i've kept all of the letters that people have written to me um, I have, like I said, all of my journals since sixth grade, but at the same time, um, I too, like I, I write every day before I go to bed tonight, I'll write for a half an hour. Um, yeah, that's definitely a goal that all writers should have. But there, there are two specific 12 month windows of time when I didn't write for a year. And the, and so during one of them, it was at the end of a relationship and it, yeah. it ended badly and I couldn't, I couldn't make heads or tails of my life. And so I wanted to stop. I couldn't do it. I couldn't put pen to paper because I really couldn't do anything. And then the other thing is, and I'm only starting to talk about this now as I've grown older. Um, so my dad uh, took his own life and, uh, and I kept journaling for a couple of weeks after that but at some point the depression got to be really deep and, uh, and I'd written and I, I know specifically what I wrote. I wrote that, that, uh, the world doesn't have any meaning anymore. And I, and I don't enjoy anything. And the thing is that that's the scariest thing that I've ever written because that's what everybody writes or everybody thinks right before they kill themselves yeah because if 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 not to get again holy morbidness but no um, no i get it but if 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 you're going to you know kill yourself the 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 obvious thing is that you don't see any value in the world around you so you're ready to go to whatever's next and so when i did that i'm like hold on i got to get professional help and i did and uh yeah, and then like twelve months later, I picked it up again and stuff. But there are those two two one year gaps in in my journal, and uh, but yeah, I think. Look, I hey, I don't know what, I I don't know how cerebral palsy manifests in your hands, but look, I think I think you should buy a cool notebook, and I think you should 
buy a cool I pen? Think I should explain myself, I guess, at this point. Since you asked me, you know, who am I? And I try to avoid, you know, the seriousness of I'm a mentally ill, disabled human being. But I, I think it's a good time now that I, I can open up with sure. some clarification yeah. um, because we've been talking for a while. You know, I get anxious because it's it's not a conversation opener for me. I get really mad at people who are like, okay, tell me about your disability right now. I've just met you and I haven't asked you your name yet. <laughs> I've had that happen. Okay. So I have mild spastic cerebral palsy, Mr. Word, diplegic cerebral palsy, meaning that it mainly affects my legs. Uh, I have full use of my hands. I'm not cognitively disabled in any way. I basically have tight muscles that reduce my ability to balance. Uh, I have weakness in my muscles because uh, building muscle is hard when, you're, when your muscles are constantly like tightened because you can't push yourself beyond some boundaries. I've become more independent because throughout my life I've had... 13 surgeries, um, my most recent one being when I was 16, that have given me the ability to like stand up straight and walk certain distances without falling independently. I can't do it all the time, and I fall more than I don't, but I like challenging myself, and that's another reason I'm a writer. So that's my disability. It doesn't affect me in my hands, it's a leg thing. It's mostly specifically just balance, walking, and I can't carry anything, literally anything. Um, one of my biggest fears is cooking because oh, yeah. I drop things. I can't carry liquids or anything like that. And I make jokes about these things because it's my whole life and I have to live with it. But so yeah, that that's my cerebral palsy. I've had it my whole life. I have a brother with cerebral palsy, and his story's longer than my own. He inspires me in so many other ways. Um, but I'm also mentally ill, and this plays into my writing very significantly. Because I talk about the truth of my world, being someone who's been through a lot, and I can't go into specific details because... There are people in this world that I do not want to put into bad light. Um, this is why I don't journal, by the way, or really express these emotions, because I've gotten into some tough scenarios because of being so open with people. But as you're talking about your dad, a lot of things came to mind. Um, I actually, I attempted suicide in 2019 and the most significant aspect of it for everyone around me was the fact that I didn't write a suicide note. And I'm a writer. And even the police were like, why didn't you do this? Because there's so many standards that we as writers and we as people must live up to. And it's, it's quite untrue um so i just i wanted to mention that as we were going so that um we kind of have a better understanding of where i am and who i am 
I don't like saying like these define who I am in my writing, but you know, they, they kind of do define who I am and who I become and where I'm going. Not entirely, but they're important. Um, and that that's what shapes my writing the most, just my experiences more negative than they are positive. But an important thing is, it still matters, and it's very important for people to hear it, because they are difficult things for people to say. So, I just, I wanted to say that as we're going on and explain myself a little bit more. Um, not easy things to talk about. Uh, I'm, I for my whole life, I'm seen as the most positive person in the world. I'm outwardly confident. I smile all the time. You know, I have this true happiness within me that so many people can see. But it's not entirely who I am. And you actually won't see it in my work. Um, you don't see the hyper-positivity. I actually judge the hyper-positivity that everyone sees in most of my work. Um, so I just, I wanted to mention that. Um, so that you know more of who I am and, you know, I'm not limited by my hands. And I, I never assume or compare myself to anyone. And I, I think that's a key thing as well um that i've run into on twitter um being someone who's open about their disability on twitter and in spaces uh, people assume what i'm capable of and what i'm not capable of but every single disability in the world affects everyone so differently unfortunately we face the same oppression but it's a very interesting and unfortunate concept so all right cool all right. so that's a lot sorry no no that's awesome i'm glad yeah hey i bet you that felt good to say it it does it gets exhausting i'm gonna be honest because i'm a very open person i will tell anyone who needs to hear it um my story if they are open and they are able to hear it this is why i write because there are people who need it not just because i want to we don't, we don't just one day become writers. It's something within us that we find important in ourselves that we then share with the world. Yeah. So yeah. So I think, you know, the, the core of these podcasts, not to completely gloss over the fact that you just shared a bunch of holy shit stuff. Um, hey, no but, worries. No, no, but it's it's like on on my end of it, uh, literally the the thing is, like, yeah, I don't. You, your legs are Jesus Christ. There's no way to just say this without being a dick. Um, yeah, I'm not really. <laughs> At least you're conscious. Yeah, I'm I'm not really that concerned as as a fellow writer about your legs. If oh, I'm no. really concerned about your hands and your fingers and, you know, <laughs> that, if that even, and if an you don't have those, concept. you know, like just buy a tape recorder and, and the, exactly. And, and that's the thing. And, and so I'm going to pivot cause I, I want to sort of wrap this up with the last big question. And so, okay. um, you wrote a book. 
I did write a book. And you published the book. I did. And you put the book out into the world. It is definitely out into the world. I've sold 200 copies or more. Yeah. So where do you think you got the confidence to do that? Definitely from my teachers. I've always wanted to be an author since I was a kid, but I was often told it was an impossible dream. You know, being an author is unrealistic as much as being an artist. And as I was debating whether or not to publish my book that I had written in the poetry that I collected throughout high school, because that's what my book's about, my experiences in high school, a teacher said one specific thing to me that was the deciding factor for me. And he said, why write such amazing things if you're not going to share them with the world? And that kind of hit me because that told me, oh my goodness, like they, they really see my work as that important, just that one person. And I thought about it and I'm like, this, this work isn't just for me. Uh, you know what I mean? And I gained that confidence through years of wanting to do it, but then people reinforcing the fact that I'm capable of it. And then being able to do it, because I went through the long process of finding my poetry throughout my archives and formatting all my poetry and editing all my poetry. I did all of this myself, actually, and I've done it before. I've edited four literary magazines. I've helped publish seven books, but that's what, that's what motivated me most, because there were severe consequences that came from me publishing my book, and I knew there was going to be just because of the way my life works. Everyone wanted to see me in one particular way, and when I finally shared with them, hey, I'm not the hyper-positive person that you think I am. I have depression, and I struggle with this. Well, that was, that was difficult, and the most significant consequence that I, I never speak about because it's just beyond me is I got kicked out of my home um, post-publishing my book because the, the family member that did so said it was stupid and wouldn't get me anywhere in college. And that's a difficult thing for me to say, and I'm already thinking about the fact that I'm saying this on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's a thing, um, and luckily, now that I'm at college, I try not to worry as much. I'm finally distancing myself from these scenarios, but that's the truth. Uh, I write and I publish because people have helped me realize that what I have to say is important. I've realized that what I've had to say have to say is important, and it's. I think one thing a lot of writers are also concerned about is writing something that's cliche in a sense that they feel like they're not unique. But everyone has a unique story and a unique experience. And that was another thing that I had to consider, that there's there are writers out there, but there's no one who is me. Um, so that, that gave me confidence as well. It took years, um, and I definitely will publish again in a few years because you don't just publish a good book in a day. I've had friends say that to me um, because I can be so, 
I get so, what's, what's the word for it? I lose words so easily. Ambitious. I'm a very ambitious person. I also have major depressive disorder. So they contrast. But I'm like, I want to publish this tomorrow. And you really have to put your world in perspective when you publish books. And do exactly what you asked me. Ask yourself, why am I doing this? What gives me the strength to do this? What are my goals in the future? Why is this important to me? So that's, that's why I did it. And that's how I did it. And it wasn't easy because you have self-doubt. You have people out there who doubt you. But I have been, I don't use this word often. I, I never like being called it. But I've been lucky enough to be one of those people who didn't give in to that feeling of my writing isn't good enough. I was able to surpass that and share with the world. And now I'm able to continue doing it because I did it once. And I realized how rewarding it is. Now I want to inspire other people to do it. That's kind of my main goal in life now is to inspire other young writers to write and to share their work. That's why I work with literary magazines because I believe that everyone's story is important, that everyone has something to say, and that all creative people deserve to be published. That's, that's my, my main beliefs. That's cool. So do you realize we've been talking for about an hour? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Okay, cool. Um, it's interesting for me because I was, I was thinking about myself at the beginning of this, you know, podcast and I was all over the place. This is who I am. It's hard to keep me straight. Um, but by the end, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm confident in what I'm saying now. Uh, so that's interesting. I just wanted to bring that forward good good i'm glad so i i think i'm gonna we're gonna wrap this up but uh okay if somebody wanted to get a hold of your book can they still yes they can um the link is on my twitter um account yeah we'll put yeah we'll put all that up on the website so that's probably the easiest way to find it otherwise it's on a website called lulu.com l-u-l-u.com and it's called the girl i am and my author name on it is elizabeth blanker so that's how they would find it i also want to put out there that this is a non-profit book the profits actually go back to my alumni high school and help to fund future writers from that school as well so that's cool congratulations so Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this has been cool. So thanks so much. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about tomorrow. I've heard that somewhere. We must act today in order to preserve tomorrow. And let there be no misunderstanding. Our objectives are clear. Well, I like to go in Russia and stuff with this rock and roll people. You think the Russians could dig your kind of music? They'll dig it. Save your energy. Lucky under! The big brusque is set like it's just a jamming it like I know. Woo! Un solo territorio!
We are talking about a society in which there will be no roles other than those chosen or those earned. We are really talking about humanism. Why did you put what we said on the radio? To encourage some interchange of ideas, of books, magazines, students, tourists, artists, radio programs, technical experts. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being. I want you and your boys to cease and desist from violating the American airwaves or I won't be responsible for the consequences. Further communications may not be possible. It's the sky. It's got a pirate radio station. What we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Uhura, what's on the comm channels? Very active, sir. Multi-facing transmissions overlapping. It's almost a gibberish. Welcome. 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 Simply adjust the frequency. The switch. Welcome to Radio Program. Beginning according to plan. We control the transmission. What are you doing on this frequency? Just remember who you are. Radio Program. Beginning according to plan. Yesterday, the entire traffic in South Carolina. Number 